the volume. This session is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. They're America's number one sportsbook for a reason, y'all. It's so easy to use. It's safe and secure. That's one of the main things for me. I don't want any BS. I love that there's no BS with FanDuel. Plus, you get your winnings fast. Now winnings are delivered in as quick as two hours. Plus, it's super fun to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same game parlay. It's awesome. So if you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with the promo code Renee, that's R-E-N-E-E, so that they know that I sent you. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Wyoming, or West Virginia. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777, or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut, 1-800-GAMBLER, or visit fanduel.com slash RG for Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Virginia, 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-877-8-HOPE-NY, or text HOPE-NY for New York, Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789. And 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Hey guys, welcome to the best of the sessions. What we have done is we've combined the best of Tuesday's episode and Thursday's episode, mashed them together to give you a beautiful little audio gift for your ear holes. We have some awesome, awesome guests on the show. Cannot thank people enough for taking the time to, to come hang out with me. Give me a little bit of their time. We give you a little bit of that. We all get to hang out and enjoy it, learn a little bit about each other. Um, so it's really cool to mash these all together and you guys can get those little abbreviated highlights of both of the interviews throughout the week. Also, of course, if you want to listen to the full lengths, you can do that. They all exist. Uh, just make sure to check out all things from the Volume Podcast Network. Like, subscribe, turn on those notifications, all that good stuff. But let's get into it. Here's the best of the sessions. <laughs> What's in the mug? Is that a Christmas mug? It is. So I am kind of a Christmas cow all year long. It's my, my girl. My dog, Howie, <laughs> who's currently breathing very heavily next to me because I got a thing of yogurt. I've got two drinks and a yogurt. What do you have? I have an iced coffee. So <laughs> I jumped on the pumpkin spice bandwagon already because it just came out yesterday. You're not into it. Is it a pumpkin spice creamer? Is it a... Is it a flavored coffee? What what are we working with? I don't know that whole thing. I just do um, a venti iced coffee, two pumps of pumpkin sauce, two Splenda, and a little oat milk. But I do buy the pumpkin creamer. I like making it better at home. I think that they might have changed their recipe this year. I'm feeling a little underwhelmed with what Starbucks is dropping. It's too much? Is it not enough? What are we doing? It's not enough. I know. It's not enough. Are you a coffee drinker? Tea drinker? Like five times a day. The fact I don't have a Crest White Strips uh, endorsement pisses me off because like it's a battle with my teeth. And, you know, even just now I I didn't, I hadn't eaten yet. I don't endorse that. I'm an eater, but I just like, like to get up before my husband and the dog. We don't have a kid yet. And I like to do my thing and have a cup of coffee. And then by the time he's out and going to the rink, I'm on my third cup and I'm like, why do I have the shakes? So yeah, I love coffee. And then when football comes around, you know, I pump like two before the game, one at halftime. And then you're wondering at 2 a.m. when you have a flight at six, why can't I sleep? So yes, that's the long version. I love it. How great are those moments of waking up and nobody else is up yet? And you can just kind of do your shit, take your time, figure out the day. I know. I can't imagine what it's like with a baby as you guys are, are well-versed on, but um, it's, it's good. It's actually I pretty mean, great. It is nice. Yeah. yeah. You get like those little baby cuddles in the morning Aww. until she starts like tearing everybody a new a-hole, but. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have, that's what I do with my golden. Like we have special time and where I just look into his dreamy eyes and he just snorts to me and, and all that. So yeah, it's great. It's the best. Love those puppers. Um, did you just get back from Mexico like a second ago? Yeah, we got back on Monday and now I'm so annoyed because we want to hang out with everybody in our uh, that our group of friends here in our town and they're all going away for Labor Day. And I'm like, what the fuck? I just got back. Where are you guys going? So yeah, we did. But it was really, really a good time. We had a wonderful, wonderful weekend. 
It looked beautiful. How do you do that every year before the football season starts to just like have a little R and R? Yeah, we have a place in Montana that we go to probably for about a month out of the the summer. And then you own a place I, in Montana? Yeah. <gasps> have you been? Yeah. No, but it is like tippy top of my bucket list. I'm dying have, to go. And your yeah. pictures there also looked like truly from a film. Yeah. So are you a Yellowstone fan? Oh Do you watch God. the show at all? Yeah. Yes, all I mean day, and, every day. Right. And we bought it before that show came out. But then obviously once the show came out, we were like, oh my God, we like have to dress like them. And it's really (laughs) funny. The locals of our town that we live in hate that show because they think it's bullshit. Like they think, you know, it's such a lie. Calves apparently aren't born that big. You know, there's not like, you know, ranchers as hot as rip. No, I'm kidding. The ranchers in our, our area are really hot, but, um, yeah. So anyways, we go to Montana and then usually right before the season, I like to do a little tequila getaway in Mexico. And then, then it's like, bye babe. See you when I see you. Cause his season starts up. I just read, I think they start up in 41 days and then we start up next week. So it's kind of crazy. He's like skating people right now on the ice and yeah, we kind of go at the same time. Okay. So you're married to Jarrett Stahl, a very nice Canadian man <laughs> who throws down who, by the way, he loved he loved. Is it just Jarrett or is it Canadian? <laughs> he loved it because every one of them, you're like, that's just I Jarrett. Think that's and, Jarrett. Yeah. And everybody actually in Montana, because we did that before we were in Montana, and people were like, that was so funny. <laughs> Yeah, yep. he's, he's definitely got some quirks that I don't think that Canada can take the claim over most of those things. Yeah, sorry, Jarrett. Who throws down better, though, a hockey player or a football player when we're talking cocktails? Um, I would have to say hockey players, but um, I will give a little insight and a little shout out to a Southern crew. Uh, we had a chance to hang out with Carissa, who you're friends with as mm-hmm. well, um, and I have become pretty good girlfriends with Kelly Stafford. Matthew Stafford's wife, and uh, they were kind enough to invite us to uh, go to Mexico with them after he had won the Super Bowl. And they have just an awesome group of friends that they went to college with, that they've grown up with. And these are Southern folk. And that's where I am from. Like I yeah. am from Florida. These these folks went to Georgia. They went to Alabama. And uh, the first night that we hung out with this group in Mexico, we got back to our room and Jarrett just said, I've never seen anything like this, like the way, and I was like, you've won two cups. You're from Saskatchewan. I've hung out with your crew before. What are you talking about? But these people are animals in all the right ways. So I would say NHL players, but I would also say that Stafford clan, they're pretty close. And cocktails kind of hit a little bit different when you're like in Mexico as well. It's just, it's a different vibe than when you're throwing them back in Saskatchewan, just like waiting to see what's happening down in Regina. It can definitely be a different vibe. They hit different on this trip. It was unbelievable. We, um, we found this little patch at the hotel where there was like this street taco truck. No one was there. There was kind of a, a business group that was in town the day, the, our very last day. And they were all in the pool and we were hearing about how Joey sells as many printers and Betsy over here has crushed it in North Carolina. And Jared's like, I want to go before they figure out, you know, your voice and they want to start talking football. Let's go. So we walked down to the beach and there was this street taco truck and it was awesome. We're like, we'll have two pork and a beef and sour cream. And this lady's like, can I get you a margarita? I'm like, yeah, margarita hit perfect. Well, before I know it, I'm slurping down number two. We've got a joke in my family. My mom, God love her. My mom, downs her drinks like she drinks them like like a like a slurpee she's so excited and i apparently did this with my margarita next thing i know we go in the ocean it is phenomenal the temps in the 80s you know we're in the waves but then i decide i was going to be fabulous and lay on the sand where the sand meets the ocean and i'm influencers in the wild all of a sudden the (laughs) waves are crashing my legs are going up over my ass like it's out but i'm just laughing and having so much fun We sat there for an hour. I walk back up, go to the hammock. I start not hallucinating, but seeing waves. I passed out for an hour and a half. My husband has pictures of me. He's like, the fact you weren't on your phone talking, trying to fit in. He goes, you were so passed out. He basically had to carry me to the room. 
two things happened. My foot was torn up from the coral reef that I apparently didn't know was mangling me, but I felt so good that I had no idea my right foot is shredded. And I have the craziest burn all over my body on like, you know, your side boob area oh, that no, never gets so tender. Yeah. So tender. Love me tender. It is purple. And I, you know, I don't want my dermatologist to ever see it, but I, it was literally one of the best times. Like the next day we went to the street taco place and I said to that lady, I'm like, what did you do to me? But it was awesome. Is there anything worse than seeing a photo that your husband took while you're passed out? We were dying laughing the next morning because we were like, what happened to you? And I was like, I don't know, but that was amazing. And I just said, you know, like, I'm not one that has to worry about paparazzi or any of that. But I was like, if there was any day for them to get me because nobody was at that hotel when we were there. So, you know, we were the most popular ones. That would have been it. My legs flailing in the air, probably my top, you know, like whatever, but it was awesome. One time, John and I, we were flying from Vegas to Jacksonville and I don't fly well. And we were flying private, um, which sounds so bougie. No, it doesn't. Cause that flight, you want to fly private. You kind of have to, but the reason why, the true reason why we did is because our dog is bougie, our bulldog, and we had to bring him. So we're like, fuck it, get him a plane. So anyways, Mm -hmm. I don't fly well with this. So I popped a Xanax. Um, And then, which I don't normally ever do, but I get super claustrophobic. So I'm like, I have to do this or I'm not going to make it. You might need to just open the uh, the exit and let me out. Um, So anyways, I do that. And then I'm like, you know what? I should have, I should have a, a whiskey and a little Diet Coke. With the Xanax? Yes. What are you going in for LASIK surgery as well? I mean, what are you doing? No, I did not know what this combination was going to do to me. And yeah, I was like passed out. My husband, for some reason, he was like, this was, I think, before people were doing that weird trend where they were like throwing cheese on people's face. Oh, I I don't know that trend. Yeah, people just like throwing like craft singles on people's faces. I don't know. Anyways, really horrifying. And I will, and he showed me the pictures after and like, eyes open. Like I was on another planet. I was coping because I had to get to Jacksonville. But anyways, I don't recommend that combination. It's not a good one. Don't do it because you're, yeah, you literally leave planet earth. I pretty much thought that that lady had slipped me something, but I know now (laughs) it was probably just a double. And so I drank two of them and I can do that. Carry the one. Yeah, exactly. Oh (laughs) Oh my gosh. It was great. What is your hangover remedy? Shake Shack. Raising canes. Oh, raising canes. Underrated. Very good. So good, especially in the South. And then as annoying as it sounds, I have to get some sort of a workout in just to like sweat it out, just to try to like feel a little bit normal. I mean, it's not going to be one where I'm lifting or like doing a ton of cardio, but just a little bit as annoying as this sounds. And I want to punch my face for saying it get some movement. But yeah, definitely, definitely like a really, really greasy breakfast and then followed up with like a Shake Shack Raising Cane situation. I just want to try to kill myself, you know? Yep. I love that. Or like a good like spicy ramen or a pho does it for me as well. Like a good like spicy broth. I find that kind of pops me back to life a little bit too. I'm not a pho girl. I actually have to be honest with you. I wouldn't know how to order pho. (laughs) I don't. How do you, like, I don't even know what's good or what I'm getting. So I would just do like- I just do like the lean beef one usually because you can get like the beef balls or you can get it with um, tripe. I don't love tripe. What's, what's tripe? It's, I think it's like intestines or I think it's, I think it's intestines. Anyone that wants to jump on the chat and correct me on that, but I think that's what it is. Um, Yeah, it's, it's like an organ kind of thing and it's like very stringy. But anyways, it can come with that. I just stick to the lean beef. I go kind of like the basic bitch version of pho and it's, it's really, really great. 10 out of 10. It's cow intestines. No, but you don't have to have that. You, you can, That's just like an option because you add the meat in and then it cooks in the broth while you're like mixing it all together. It's like a real concoction. That or a crinkle fry from Shake Shack. I don't yeah, know. Give me a great. Okay, fair enough. Fair, fair, fair. Okay, let's get into um, young Aaron. Growing up with a dad who was a journalist, broadcaster, what are some like nuggets of wisdom that you picked up from your dad along the way as sort of like your first eye-opening experience into like what this world is? 
just watching my dad do it and going to meet him at the TV station after he did the six o'clock news. And then, you know, he couldn't come home because he had the 11. We'd go have dinner with him after he finished and stuff like that. So I was definitely used to the routine. I knew the hours. I knew sometimes there would be Thanksgivings where he was home. He wasn't home. If there was a hurricane, that was like the Super Bowl in Florida. My dad had to go cover it. So that was kind of, you know, uh, something that was easy to relate or understand because I just grew up with it. You know, it's crazy because I think it was everything was just instilled in me in such a young age. I probably didn't realize I was learning it, but I know my dad is such an insane hard worker and it was always like his job over everything. Now, not with our family, but he was just so dedicated and married to his job and he did such a great job at it. I think maybe I know my dad's a perfectionist, so I think that's where I kind of get my insane neurotic, like wanting to do such a good job, having heart palpitations, even till Tuesday, if I screwed up on a Sunday game, uh, uh, maybe worst? things like that. Yeah, yeah. You just feel like you wish you'd go back and, and could redo it. And you think that everybody is just sitting there thinking, God, she's awful. She's lost it. Does that still linger? I mean, obviously it does because you just brought it up. But I mean, for someone that has done this for such a long time and like fully respected in the job and the role that you have you still get kind of like hound. Do people give you shit for that? You're always going to have your losers on Twitter or Instagram that are making your nose, your voice comments. You suck. Like so-and-so's way better. Look at my favorite on Instagram is where people, you know, and good for them. They're trying to pump up the next big thing or next young thing. And good for them. They're always like, look out, Aaron Andrews. So-and-so is coming. And I want to be like, good, <laughs> take it. I'm tired. Come on in. I'll tag you in. Look out. And I always want to be like, where am I looking? What am I looking at? Um, no, it's just funny. Like, it, it's like, all right. I'm like, good. Oh my gosh. You know, here we go. But yeah, no, I do. But I think I'm my worst critic. My, I'm my hardest, you know, toughest judge, toughest critic. And because you just, you always want people to believe that you belong. And maybe I just cracked something with myself. Dr. Phil moment. Do I believe I belong? I love a bout of imposter syndrome. I love it. I love it. It's actually a very fascinating thing. And it's funny to me that it just doesn't go away. It's like, it just kind of lingers and it'll kind of rear its ugly head every now and then when I'm like, oh my, I don't know what I'm doing. I never have claimed to know what I'm doing. <laughs> oh my God. But it's funny that you still get that. I mean, you've been doing this for so long and you've been so respected for what you do. So, I mean, it's kind of comforting to me to know that it also affects you. <laughs> it does. And I, I had an athlete one time and we were just talking about Twitter and, and Twitter doesn't kill me as much as it used to. I, I, I just think it's like the people with the preconceived notions. There's still some writers that love to just attack me and, and things like that. And I, I know if they had a couple of drinks with me and they listened to the real me, I know that they would like me. And I have this weird obsession with wanting people to do that. But I remember sitting and talking with an athlete one time and he was saying, you could have a stadium full of 100,000 people cheering for you. And you see that one tweet and it just ruins your day. And I'm like, how psycho are we that we actually care about that? Really? Why do we care about the guy with the cat avatar who is just, you know, crushing our voices? And it's like, how's your mom? You know, ask her to feed you your dinner because she's doing it. Anywho. Go touch some grass, get outside. No, I know. And it, it is a it's so weird that it like picks that like whatever weird deep scab that we have that we're like, how dare you call me out on this like dumb thing? Whether it's something that like kind of does resonate as like a little bit true or like some kind of insecurity that like I have. Yeah, it's very, very frustrating. And I wish that I could just like log off. I actually feel like I've done a good job over the years of like blocking and muting people that I don't see much of it anymore. Blocking and muting is fun. I actually really enjoy it. And like the quality filters as well. You can like What's really- that? I, I did it like years ago. Um, I can't remember exactly. Like you can go in on Twitter and there's like a quality filter thing that just kind of gets people that are like swearing a lot or that like message you a bunch of like random stuff or like- um the like people just like keep making different accounts and stuff. Who has the time? Who has the who time? Has? Who, know, who can remember all the passwords? Uh, oh my God. I thought I lost my phone yesterday and we just got to an Airbnb and I was like, I don't know how we're going to get in there because I'm not going to be able to log into my email on John's phone because I don't know my fucking passwords. I don't know any of them. I need to like face ID it. And I'm like, okay, I'm in. But otherwise, no, I could never. What was like bad Aaron like did you ever get into like trouble as a kid 
Did you have like trouble? I years? mean, nothing with like drinking or acting out or like staying out with boys or I, I, I didn't do that at all, which basically I was a square. Um, but you know, my biggest thing, and I, I feel bad for it now. And I know I will as a kid, I just was sassy. And so that was kind of like the thing for my parents, like they would hold over us. I was very into dance and I never fought with my sister. It's just my sister and I, and we were always super tight. But if I ever sassed my mom or ever got in a fight with my sister, and we're talking about getting in fights about the hairbrush, you took the hairbrush, where's the hairbrush, like things like that. My mom and dad would take away dance class from us. And you would swear that was like the worst thing. I did one time get in really big trouble in high school for sassing my dad back. And I said a naughty, naughty word to him as he left the room and he heard me and he turned around and he knocked on the door and he said, what did you say? And I said, I'm sorry. And he took my car away for a couple of days, which sucked. But the biggest thing he told me I couldn't do was watch television. And that's when the Phoenix Suns were in the NBA finals. I was obsessed with Charles Barkley. They were playing the Chicago Bulls. And my dad knew that would rip my heart out. And the final game, I think John Paxson, that he shot the game winning shot, I had to go listen in the radio of my car. I snuck it to listen because I wanted to hear the game so bad. And that was like life or death for me. Hey, the passions are the passions. How has your fashion progressed over the years from like being on TV, doing sidelines, getting into like great winter wear, love a good jacket, um, but how have things progressed for you over the years? I would say that fashion is not my strong suit whatsoever. I am very grateful to have had the opportunity to work with awesome people who do it for a living and are way better than I am. Um, You know, when I was dressing myself, and that's really what I you can do when you first start what you can afford to do. um, I would hit well, let's let's put it this way. My first job out of college, Tampa Bay Lightning, I was hitting up Express and Limited. I had these I had a couple of these limited no express tops I thought were so hot you know the body looked tight in them it was like the turtleneck like sleeveless top and then when I got hired by ESPN you'd see that every weekend I was like oh I look so good in this um I remember when I worked game seven my husband gives me a hard time for this game seven of the 2004 Stanley Cup finals with the Tampa Bay Lightning and Calgary Flames I saw a bright green like sweater, a quarter length sweater top in the front row of Ann Taylor at the West Shore Mall in Tampa with my mom and dad. And I'm like, that's the one. And my husband called me the green machine whenever he sees like the recaps of it. You know what is the biggest thing? And I, I would always try to tell young girls this, just keep it simple and crisp and fabulous and you're good. But I mean, again, I, this is something I'm very lucky to have people that help me with this because Lord knows I can't do it on my own. At all. I would go really kind of all over the place, but it's different in WWE because it's so loud. It's like, give me the sparkles, give me the sequence, give me the fringe, give me all that shit. And I did love having fun with that, but it's so funny being like removed from that now. I like walk by my closet and I'm like, the fuck is this? Where was I wearing this? <laughs> but that was so your vibe and that was so what your, I think, like your atmosphere, your audience wanted to see. One of the biggest things that I still struggle with now, and my girlfriend dresses me and and she's working with Carissa as well, is that I get so stuck in what I think is the right thing to wear. I do believe you are allowed to have style and fashion and show you are a woman and you love sports. But for so long, when I first started, I mean, I remember I wore a dress on Monday Night Baseball and a local Chicago writer wrote an article about it. Like, are you kidding me? By the way, if he did that now, think of all the backlash. Are you kidding me? Are There's you no kidding me? There's no way you could do that now. Yeah. I had a boss back in the day that complained that I wore a skirt down to my knees because it was hot as hell. And I knew if I wore pants, I'd sweat through them. The skirt was down to my knees. I'm 5'10", by the way. So that's a long skirt. That, by the way, is a maxi for some people, a maxi dress. (laughs) A long skirt, a tank top that wasn't even revealing at all. And a headband to keep like my hair out of my eyes. That's when headbands were hot. And she was like, I think you're trying to look like Alice in Wonderland. What are you doing? Can you imagine if they said that now? I, I do believe like 44 years old, you are allowed to show like, hey, I'm a female. You know, I work hard on my body. Oh, by the way, I love X's and O's and I'm a tomboy. So 
I do kind of struggle with that. Yeah, it really is such a fine line of like, hey, I want you to respect me. Also, I'm here. I have the job. I'm the person that got the job and I'm right for the job. But also let me have like a little fun with what this looks supposed to be. And don't think that I'm trying to have some kind of like ulterior motive from wearing this other outfit. I'm grateful it has evolved because definitely back in the day when I started, I remember a couple of executives making a few comments. I remember writers making, I wore a yellow dress and this guy ripped me apart from it for it. And I just thought, my God, if this happened now, I mean, this guy would lose his job. Like you just can't speak that way to women anymore. So, and thank goodness, right? I remember when I first started at WWE and I was like really trying to figure out where I was like, hey, if I wear something super simple and basic, which is not really my vibe anyways, but you're standing next to these like very larger than life characters, you become like really mousy and it just doesn't work. So as I'm like trying to figure that out, but I would wear these like blouses, but I would do them all the way up to the top. But as like sort of like that more like, I don't even know what to call it, but it was it was a choice. It was a choice. It wasn't on like the conservative side of doing that, but I was like, oh, it just seems kind of cool. I want to button it all the way up. And they're like, you look like a nerd. You cannot wear that. (laughs) I was constantly having to like battle. I'm like, just let me wear this. I'm telling you like this will look cool and this will be fine, but you win and lose some. It's, it can definitely be, uh, yeah, some ups and downs with that. Football fans, check out the three and out podcast with John Middlecoff only on the volume podcast network. John brings his unique perspective as an ex-NFL scout to the volume to break down all the news around the NFL and college football. Whether you're looking for game predictions, coaching searches, the ins and outs of the NFL front office, even an occasional golf tip, John has you covered. Download 3 and Out with John Middlecoff, only on the Volume Podcast Network. What was your first kind of peek into the world of pro wrestling that that made your heart go pitter-patter? Well, you know, there was a a gentleman that moved into our neighborhood, and his name was Andy Finney, and he was from Detroit, Michigan, and he used to go to Coba Hall and watch the Sheik in Detroit. And when he moved to California, I remember it was about 1982, and and the punk rocker in the neighborhood was Sean Gregonis, who lived next door to him. And that's how we kind of got all into punk rock. But Andy was like 20-something. My mom really liked him. He was a really good guy. He always looked out after us young guys, you know? Because my brother, by that time, was 16, 17. And I was, you know, a little younger. No, maybe he's more more like 15, 16. So I walked into Andy's house one Saturday morning at like 10 a.m. And what was on the TV was, I think it was, it was WWF. And uh, I just sat down and I said, this is amazing. Like I, you know, I just remember thinking, wow, this is freaking cool. These guys are like, you know, I don't remember making a conscious, uh, like, uh, what I'm about to say wasn't conscious, but they were like superheroes, right? They were like cartoon characters, but they were also like these super badasses, right? But I didn't make like the connection, like it was a superhero. <clears throat> but at being that age, I was I was reading comic books and maybe that's what, what the connection was. Hindsight's 2020 and that's it. We were lucky to have like AWA had a TV show. WWF had a TV show. We had big time wrestling. Um, at one point. So maybe this was 81. It could have been 81, 82. So, I, you know, but that's the first time I really, I was 10. So it was 81. So that's when I first kind of saw it on TV. And then I went to my first matches, maybe a year and a half later. Hell yeah. It's, I feel like the San Jose area has got some really like good stuff going on over there too. It seems. Well, yeah. I mean, we, we've always had really cool independent stuff. Uh, they've always brought in the Lucha stuff like Triple A and, and, and uh, CMLL did shows here. I've seen Polynesian Pacific Championship Wrestling. That was High Chief Peter Maivia's. And I remember their champion was Lars Sanderson. And just having a wrestler by the name of Lars, I was so stoked. <laughs> and we would get their TV on the UHF channel. And then we had Bill Watts with Mid-South. You'd get that. And I always loved how they left you on like a on a, on a cliffhanger. You know what I mean? It'd be like one man gang versus, you know, uh, Terry Taylor or something. And then the blood would be flying, but then they would cut. We've got to have, we're going to finish it up next week. Jim Ross on the call. 
And, and I mean, most exciting. My dream is to have Jim Ross like call a rancid show. I feel like, like you that could would probably be, make that happen. <laughs> I probably could, but it was the commentating. It was everything. It was the uh, you know what, and then getting you know world championship wrestling NWA stuff when when cable TV happened. That was a game changer, right? Because now we I was seeing like because Andy had stacks of wrestling magazines, you know, and so I was seeing these matches. You know, Ric Flair, who's Dusty Rhodes, who's Ric Flair, who's Harley Race, who's uh, Wildfire Tommy Rich, who's who are these guys, right? And it's not like you had the internet where you could just go Google it. It's like you read in the magazines or you know, seeing Hacksaw Jim Duggan or the Sheep Herders and they're just bloody messes. <laughs> no one gets a bigger pop just- than Hacksaw Jim Duggan. When you're anytime we would do Hall of Fame and everyone's kind of filing out and people are finding their seats every time he walks out, the entire arena is like, oh, <laughs> for like I mean, of course, 10 man. minutes. It's great. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, that was kind of the catalyst of it all. And then as I started consuming, then I started like, taping tv shows and then then the tape trading thing happened and that's where i met tony the first time really yeah so he was on a death valley driver which was like a a blog i met will helmick through there i met uh so many people through that uh my friend the Birdman was on he was called the bat boy there but it was like you know and people would share matches you know and uh that's how you would find out. And then the tape traders, you know, they would have lists and you would order and you would ask for certain matches. Maybe you didn't see like the concession brawl, you know, for the first time being able to get all this stuff because people had been recording it, you know, obviously for so long, you know, so I, that's really, you know, I got into all that. And so just would, would, would consume pro wrestling. So you met Tony on this this like chat board situation. What do you think about what he's been able to do now? I mean, creating AEW, creating this amazing alternative for people, uh, and then you know going up against the things that are happening in WWE right now, which is now under uh, the reign of Triple H. Yeah, I mean, it's I think it's going to get tougher for Tony because now that the, I, the product is actually watchable, who would have ever thought that Vince McMahon would not be working that company? Right? Not me. Um, not me. I thought for the day, you know, to the day he died. But what Tony's done is remarkable. I think it's incredible that he's been able to give a product the way that he has with the talent that he has. I mean, I used to see a lot of those guys on the indies, you know, watching your husband in CZW and then seeing his progression through the WWE and just knowing that was never going to be right for him. And then feeling like now seeing him pop it in GCW here, AEW here. Like that's, that's where you want to see him. That's what kind of wrestler he is, you know? So for him to have those types of like opportunities is, you know, and then for Tony to like open up, you know, and give these guys a place to work, you know, and in some ways saving some guys careers or helping them shape their careers. Like Cody, Cody, if he would have stayed in the WWE, I mean, I love the Stardust Gold Dust Me tag team. Me too. I loved it. And, but then it's like that that fucking hot shot kind of booking kind of stuff. It's like, here's this great team. And then a month later, they're gone. And we just pretend it never happened. No one talks about it. But uh, no, I agree with you. I mean, you look at what Cody's been able to do to leave WWE, have these stars in his eyes, be able to do what he was able to accomplish in AEW and now swing things back the other direction. He would not be able to have the run that he's about to have when he comes back from a recovery, but he wouldn't have that if it wasn't for this other opportunity. 100%. And I think that his raw, his feud with Rollins, like that got me mo- emotionally invested and actually became like, I always knew that there was something in that guy. Obviously, you know, he comes from great stock and his brother, you know, obviously was a superstar. His dad's a superstar. Now he's taking his place. I would always kind of wait for him. I would be like, I, when he's 32, that's when it's really going to be like, oh, your body's going to be bigger because that's just what happens with gravity <laughs> yep. and age. And, you know, and you're going to be, he, Cody's always been very, he's always brought the psychology in. And that's important. That's a lost art because now it's like high spot, high spot, high spot. Now you're going to go through the table and you've gone through six tables and now you're going to run the ropes. I want the characters. I want to care about everybody. Yeah. But I mean, it's also in the wrestling too, you know, it's like, that's one of the things. And I understand that, you know, for me as a fan, there's different generations. And for instance, that original ring of honor generation changed the business. 
Is that when you met Punk? I think he was doing Ring of Honor at the time, but he was also doing, um, oh, what was that called? Uh, fucking, uh, what was that? Uh, Axel, Axel Rotten's. Uh, I forget I forget the name of the, the company, but it was, I want to say it was an Axel Rotten's company. It was some sort of like Midwest Kentucky thing or something. Anyways, it doesn't matter. But so we, I was on a warp tour with the bastard. So this is 2004, 2005. And our, one of the sound guys was friends with him and said that we were played in Philly and I was walking up the stage or the back of the stage to go play the show. And he, and he was, he was at the show and he's walking down. I, he said, you're Lars Fredrickson. I said, you're CM Punk. And we just kind of hit it off from there. There was an understanding there. You know, I was, I'm obviously a little older than he is. And, you know, it's a little bit of a different generation, but it's the psychology and the mindset, I think, that we share. And through that, it's the friendship, you know. So over the years, it's just gotten stronger. And, you know, it's, it's, it's cultivated into more of a family member. To bring Ruby Soho into the mix... I know you've spoken about this before, but, um, you know, as as Ruby is making the the move into AEW, everyone's so excited to see what she's going to do. This chick just fucking kicks ass. She's so cool. Um, and for her, of course, to use your song, Ruby Soho. What was like the conversations you guys had? Me and this guy, Dennis Farrell, we do a wrestling podcast called The Wrestling Perspective. And it's more it's not it's not it's more about a fan thing. It's not really like a dirt sheet kind of thing. We just we've had so many different people on. And when Ruby got released, you know, she had hit me up because she wanted to do an outfit that was sort of an homage to something of mine, you know, something I wore. She said, is this okay? She hit me up through Instagram. I said, of course, I'd be honored. You know, obviously I'm a huge wrestling fan and I was a fan of Ruby Riot. So, and I thought she was very talented, but unfortunately in that company, the women didn't weren't really getting it. They never really had a chance up until recently. Yeah. It's always kind of been like a, I don't want to say it was a start and stop, start and stop, but it, you know, we know who the main people were that were getting those opportunities and those pushes and um, Ruby and uh, the riot squad weren't necessarily those women, but live on the other hand now was crushing it. Uh, but yes. But I feel like they weren't given the opportunities to do so. And, and I think that when you're in a place that sort of stifles creativity, you can't really truly become who you are. And I think anybody who's been through that ringer and that in that era of, you know, who was running the company and everything else will tell you that I felt stifled. I felt like I couldn't be myself, you know, whatever you, you, you hear the same stuff. And I'm, I'm not talking ill, but it just is what it is. You know, if a hundred people, it's kind of like this, if there's more than three assholes in your life, there's a great chance you're the asshole. Okay. So <laughs> That's kind of the rule of thumb, right? So if every, if there's a hundred people saying the exact same fucking thing, then maybe it's true, right? So yeah, yeah. But so she, I hit her up because she had gotten a release, and I said, "Hey, listen, I know I don't really know what your situation is, but I do this podcast. It's fun. We, you know, we just want to have you on. You know, it would just be kind of cool, whatever." Because the WWE totally completely ignores us, right? Oh, they ignore me too for what it's worth. And I worked there for a See, long there time. There you go. It's like they're <laughs> yeah. shooting themselves in the foot because obviously they have a script. <laughs> you know, they have a script, you know, and they can't go yeah. off script. They've got their people they want to work with and the the stories that they want to. That's yeah. It's if fine. I was like, you know, some 51 year old weirdo living in my mom's basement, like with my podcast. Yeah. Ignore me. But I'm, I've done a few things maybe. Yeah. You're fucking Lars Fredrickson, bitches. If they're ignoring you, then it doesn't make me feel that bad because obviously you are who you are, which is a bigger superstar than I ever would be. But that's not true. But just in that world, but because I've worked with them for so long, I don't take it personally either because I understand how they operate. I get it. No hard feelings. I, I understand what it is. But anyways, yeah. Give me some guests. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So she, she said, yes, I'd love to come and do your show. It was the first interview that she had done since her WWE release. And as we were just talking shit, she's like, yeah, I, I can't use this name anymore. And I said, well, isn't it fucking obvious? And she's like, what do you mean? I said, well, Ruby Soho, duh. You know, or I don't remember how exactly. And she goes, you think? And I said, yeah, I know a few people. Like I could probably get it done for you. You know what I mean? Because the, uh, Matt and Tim always used to watch with me during the Attitude Era. So they know about pro wrestling. They know about my love of pro wrestling and, and they, they love it themselves. They, you know, okay. They're not like me where 
it's like I'm immersed in it and I know who's wrestling here and blah, blah, blah. You know, but they're enough of a fan to know who she is and what it is. And not only that, but like, I always wanted this, you know, it's like, you know, why the fuck are you picking this band? You know, when you got the wrestling fan guy, let's work with our people. Right. I have offered for another company and I won't mention their name, but I was like, look, I can write your theme music. You know, like what you're coming out with is fucking generic trash. It's shit. You're 10 years behind the curve. It's not a company run by another guy for music, is it? No, it's not. Then that's all I'll say about it. But he, he, they didn't, <laughs> okay. they didn't, they didn't want to spend the money, but not like I was yeah. charging an arm and leg, but I was like, I could do this twice as good. You know, long story short, I called up the band and I just said, Hey, listen, we got a super talented female wrestler. She's great. She's, she's going to make waves and I'm a fan of hers. What do you guys think? And Tim knew who she was. And they're just like, yeah, dude, let's, let's go for it. Let's make it happen. And I just called her and said, what do we need to do? Like, what are we, are we, you know, obviously it's gotta be fair for both parties. You know, what do we got to do? I knew Tony was familiar. We were familiar. So I figured it was probably going to get done. He likes to get that licensed music. That's for sure. I respect it. 100%. Listen, what he's doing for the wrestling business is insane. He's bringing it to a whole different level that we're not going to maybe, we're seeing, you know, to some degree right now, but in 10 years from now, we're going to be really understanding what he's really doing. And I understand that people have their complaints about like, you know, and whatever, and it all, it all is what it is. But at the end of the day, he's giving somebody another option. It's like Uber and Lyft. It's like, you can pick which one you like and you can enjoy it. And I'm not going to go on Twitter and say, fuck Lyft. <laughs> fucking yeah, yeah. their pink sign. <laughs> they're fucking stupid. You know, yeah. but honestly, if it's, it's all about pro wrestling and I feel like what he's doing and the opportunities that he's giving these guys and ladies to be themselves and to creatively express themselves. It's, it's awesome. I can speak firsthand too, from like just the difference in like literally from the time that John left WWE to what he's doing now. I mean, he's a different person. He's a total, like I can just see that creativity flowing out of him. He thinks about it so differently now because he can, because he knows that he can execute the things that he really wants to do. And it's, it's really nice to see people be able to scratch that itch. It is. And I, it, but it's, it, but it's also, it's like, you, you know, I'm hoping, and I know that there's probably still trying to figure everything out there, but there has to be some sort of container for that to be. It can't be an oppressive container where there's like a, you know, sort of a, a dictator. Right. But there has to be that in wrestling only because there's so many fucking egos. You have to have a good infrastructure. And that's the one thing that the WWE maybe might have the edge on AEW is maybe in that structure and how things go, you know. And I mean, I've been in both backstages in, in different periods of time with different wrestlers. And I will say that in an AEW locker room, it's got a lot more spirit. It's a little bit more carefree. It, it's going to be interesting to see how things, you know, as we both know, a lot of things have happened and how that's going to unfold, you know? Um, okay. So because you would have a better idea, a better gauge of this, what do you think Tony paid to get sympathy for the devil? I don't know, but you know what? I, I, I just wondered why he didn't use Motorhead's version of it because I think that's a little bit more sinister. I do believe that the stone song is it's obviously a classic song. And I think, but I mean, it's MJF, like to have that little, well, maybe the Motorhead thing because of Triple H, maybe that's probably why they didn't do it. Or maybe they just didn't even know that it existed. But when I saw it and he came out to it, I was like, okay, this is appropriate. And with the storytelling behind the whole thing is like beautiful. It's 100%. But that's why we tune in, right? It's the is to get those little moments and MJF's return needed to be that special. And it freaking was. And he's such a talent. I, I will say this because I do know him personally, but he's the nicest dude in the world. <laughs> I, I know he's very he's such, sweet. He's, he's such a cool dude. I love that guy. And but but honestly, he's an asshole. He's a fucking Yeah, screw prick. that guy's a piece yeah, of shit. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, Before I let you go, because I know I've had you on here for a long time and I'm picking your brain about a million different things. Um, Just bring it full circle to when I met you in Las Vegas. Now, you um, you do not seem nervous at all. You were ready to go out there and play, but you said that you were nervous. How different is that? I mean, for a man that has played for so long to be able to step out in front of a wrestling crowd playing a song that you know they're going to sing all along to. What was that experience like for you? You are always going to have a level of self-confidence. Like I know that I can walk into any building and do what I do just because that's just what I, what I do. And I always are going to, I'm always going to get goosebumps. I'm always going to get nervous, but I think that's part of the, the thing, you know, the, one of the things that I've learned along the way that if you're the smartest guy in the room, then you're in the wrong fucking room, which means to, which, which I'm trying to convey is that you're always got to be able to be willing to be teachable. And every moment that you do walk up on a stage or you do a performance is a teachable moment. And if you're not open to that, then you wouldn't be nervous. That's just been my experience. No, I I agree with you on that 100%. First of all, we're mixing two things that I love very much, and that's pro wrestling and punk rock in my band, right? And I should say our band. That culmination of things, mixing the the two streams, Egon, it's like you don't really know what's going to happen. I know that we're good enough to win anybody over. I mean, let's just face it. That's not a bad song, you know? So a wrestling crowd can go either way. I mean, literally two nights before they booed Roby Soho out of the fucking ring. Yeah, yeah, they're hot and cold. Fickle. The same people are going like CM Punk, MJF, CM. <laughs> they're speaking out of both sides of their mouth, yeah. <laughs> but that's just like a thing that, the, that you do at wrestling. So the culture kind of has changed, you know? Wrestling fans are smarter, right? Yeah. I go to an indie show here in San Francisco and they're clapping after certain moves like they do in Japan. I'm like, I've been to the Tokyo Dome. I've been to Kurokan Hall. I've seen wrestling in Japan, all different promotions. That's part of their thing. That's how wrestling fans, And but now it's here in America, right? Anyway, I'm getting to a point. <laughs> so I'm thinking to myself, how is this going to go over? Like, I know that people know who we are. I know that people have made the connection, whether it be through CM Punk or now Ruby Soho, or just me in general, knowing me for, or knowing the band for 30 years that we're wrestling fans, or I'm a wrestling fan. It's, I've never made that a secret. Like it's always been pretty worn out on my sleep. So I'm nervous because I just don't know. It's like, that's, that's the box of chocolates. Wrestling fans are the box of chocolates. Cause you don't, you don't, and especially in today's, you know, Moxley is, is, is celebrated in Ohio and then booed in Chicago. It can go either way, you know? And then MJF comes out in Chicago and he's getting a big, you know what I mean? It's like, choose a side, motherfuckers. (laughs) It's funny to predict. Yeah, because no, you're right. It it really depends on where you are, what that crowd is. We know where like the smart crowds are. And Vegas is a weird one to predict as well, because I'm sure if you were in a Chicago or you're in New York or you're in Philly, you know what kind of a vibe you're going to get. Vegas, we're not really sure what those Vegas fans are like yet. Well, and not only that, but most importantly, you have to remember that like that's a pay-per-view. So that's everybody from everywhere. So in, in, in essence, you're, you know, you're not just playing to Las Vegas. You're playing to Portugal, England, uh, East Coast, West Coast, Midwest, Canada, Mexico. You're playing everywhere, right? So you're playing to everybody. So, but I was nervous as fuck and I was going to shit a brick. And then the worst <laughs> fucking part about the whole night for me is I had that goddamn fucking smoke machine, which always drives me out and makes me sick and it's literally blowing right on the side of my face and while we're playing the song i was just like oh this is like this is humility i'm achieving my one of my dreams one of my bucket list things i played the garden i fucking played saturday night live and now i'm doing a wrestling pay-per-view fucking bucket list boom 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 and now the smoke machine is just completely fucking covering me (laughs) and humbling the (laughs) shit out of me so it's like, there's always a little bit of that too. But I, you know, having my- Lars versus the smoke machine. Exactly. But having my, my, <laughs> my youngest there, you know, was, was also a treat too, because, you know, he loves wrestling. He loves to get a chance to see his uncle punk. And, you know, he met Jericho and, you know, and a few other, other guys. And he, Will Hobbs has known him, you know, since he was like 
Yeah, five or six. Yeah, he's a good San Jose guy. Is he San Jose, Oakland? He's out there, yeah? He's Hayward. Hayward, Hayward. okay. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, Bay Area. But like we used to go see uh, when he was uh, Will Power. So and that was his gimmick. And and then Will, being such a gigantic dude, was so extra courteously, courteous to Soren and so nice to him and got down on Soren's level and communicated with him. And that, honestly, that interaction between Will and Soren made Soren love pro wrestling. Oh, I love that. And I've told Will this, but like Will, Will's a, a, a diamond. Yeah, and he is. Uh, his presence would scare a lot of people because he's a big it's freaking huge. dude. That's intimidating, especially to a little five, six-year-old kid. But the fact that he was able to kind of level the playing field showed me that he's a real guy. He does that with my daughter anytime I have her backstage too. He is always over there saying hi to Nora. She's in like shy girl stage. so She won't go to anybody, but he tries every time. Eventually she will take the bait and go. But yeah, he's just the sweetest. That's funny. But also a beast and he'll kill everybody. That's right. You know, <laughs> and those types of interactions, you know, are the ones that make always make the impression on me. You know, it's like you have to take that time. If somebody's bought a ticket and bought your record, bought your book, bought your thing. You got to take the fucking time. I don't care what, I mean, that's the unfortunate part about like, you know, at some points it's like, even if you're having a bad fucking day, the fan doesn't know that the kid that's coming up to you doesn't know that and doesn't need to know that. Cause that'll stick with them for forever. If you're shitty to them, you're mean to them. They'll never forget that. Yeah. I always try to look people in the eye, speak very nicely and, you know, give them the courtesy of the time because it's not a lesson I think I, you know, I had to learn, but when, when fucking Tony Bennett walked through an airport with me in Las Vegas during a cowboy convention, I looked like a fucking rodeo clown from outer that space. That fucking cowboy convention used to kill me. Yeah. So I'm walking <laughs> through with leopard skin hair, bright mohair sweater, fucking bondage pants, and Tony Bennett's walking right beside me, carrying on a conversation. I thought, if Tony motherfucking Bennett can talk to little old me, looks like a rodeo clown in a fucking cowboy convention... And walk with me to get our bags and whatever. Johnny Ramone, same thing. Would sit and talk with you. He might not have been the most uh, ungrumpy guy, but he still gave you the time of day. And it doesn't matter who you are. Just being a person. You, you got to be a person. You can't like stop and not have those conversations and have those interactions. Also, that's the shit that makes like, honestly, it makes your day fucking better anyways. Even if you are in a mood, you stop and have an interaction with somebody it can snap you out of whatever shit you're going through. Right. And I, but I understand, you know, like MJF, him being the biggest heel in the world. If he's an asshole to you on the street, then fucking take that as a victory because, <laughs> yeah, you know said, what I mean? Because yeah. that, that, that craft is long but gone and I'm glad my man is still fucking kayfabe. Was it, fuck was it Sherry Shepard that called him out for that? Is that who it was that was like, he was, he was mean to me at the airport and she like called Mark Henry about it or something like it was like all over the news. It was oh great. my God. Well, it, but that's, you know, uh, that's what's working for him, you know? So, well, listen, I'll let you get back to your day. I really appreciate you. you hanging out with me. Well, I really wanted to have you on the show. Yeah, thank this you. was great. Huge wrestling fan. I'm a huge fan of yours. And yeah, just fun to shoot the shit with you today. Anytime. Hell yeah. Well, hopefully I'll see you at a show soon. Sounds good. Thanks so much for hanging out with us, guys. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed the week. Enjoyed the best of the sessions. You guys can hear the full length interviews um, anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Just uh, download them. Give them a listen. Give them a like, a review. And if you want to see what you're hearing, head on over to my YouTube page. Just search Renee Paquette. It's all up there. And you can see us talking, having this interview, having a hangout. It's all up on there. Um, and that's been like a really great, cool, growing community. So uh, I'm really enjoying the hangouts on the YouTube as well. So we can see you guys over there. And jump in the comment section, you know. Jump in, chime in, leave a comment. Uh, we like filtering through them all, reading about them, maybe even like, I don't know, some constructive criticism if you had it. We're all ears. God, did I open up a can of worms by saying that? I don't know. Be nice. Be cool in there. This has been The Sessions. <laughs> <laughs>